Well, welcome to Long Church. We're so glad that you're taking this journey with us today. And I know that there are many people that this is your first time seeing us because we've had a whole bunch of people inviting this week. And so we just want to welcome you along with us. And I hope everyone enjoyed that song that started off in the beginning and a rendition of Amazing Grace. And it was done by a church that has multiple locations. And what they did is they actually had all their different worship leaders and all the different campuses all send in their singing the song and they put it all together in what you just watched and it was just amazing. And if you heard me last week, I was talking about how that I really miss um, worship and it's just something. So we're going to be doing that at the beginning instead of a bumper video for the next several weeks to have a worship song. We're so appreciative to Life Church for doing this and making things available to us. It's the songs that they've written so it is royalty free and it's made for churches such as ourselves who want to have worship that are there. Again, I want to say a huge welcome to everyone. If this is your first time seeing us or maybe you haven't heard this before, um, we'd love for you to connect with us and send a text to us. Simply text the word welcome to 469-289-1114. Again, that's the word welcome to 469-289-1114. And it's just simply our text communication. You're not signing up for anything. No one's going to hound you. You're not going to start getting spam. It's none of that stuff at all. It is just simply a way that we can communicate with you and just kind of start an open dialogue. And there are many other options that you'll hear about and others you'll hear about at other times. Today, I want to just talk about a message that really has just stirred me up. And I'm just so very, very excited about it. But I, I want us to think about um, one of the most dangerous places that we can be as humans, as individuals. And it's actually the place that the enemy works tirelessly to get you and I, everyone actually too, and that is isolation. Or can I say it like this, to be all alone. And that's actually the title of our message today is All Alone. I actually have a friend who, before I met him, was a police officer, and then he stopped being a police officer, and he became, he's running drugs, and he was using his ability as a former police officer to know how to avoid detection and all this stuff, and he ended up getting caught and being sentenced to prison, and, and because he was a former law enforcement, they put him in isolation, and, and I met him years after he got out, and he was telling me, for whatever reason, I don't remember what started that whole conversation off, but he was telling me that the worst part of prison was when he was in solitary confinement. He said even though that he was, they were concerned about his welfare if he was put in general population, he was going mental by being in isolation and solitary confinement. And it, it, as I was talking, as I was thinking about this message and I was, I was processing it and developing it all out, that story came up to me because that's where the enemy is trying to get every one of us into this place where we think that we're all alone. And it, it'd be real easy right now because we're in self-isolation, we're in quarantine, we're in shelter at home, and, and maybe that's where you find yourself and you feel just isolated from the whole world. I, I'm a person who loves to give hugs and to receive hugs. And, and, and it's just, it's crazy how much we miss one another. I saw a funny thing. I didn't get the video or the picture of it to Michael this week. But I saw a picture of a, a, a kitchen and a, the dog had climbed all the way up on the top shelf. And the caption was, no, I'm not going to come down. I've already been walked by every person in this house four times. 
times today. And that just cracks me up because we're all just needing something to do in, in isolation. That's where we're at. But for me, one of the things that I enjoy, in fact, it's a de-stressor, is, is to watch movies or to watch shows. And it, it's always been that way. And it's because my mind's got so many things going on all the time and I'm multitasking and, and all these things going on that I, I can get into a good show, particularly if it has a good plot, that I will be able to just pull my brain over here and leave it on the sideline for a minute and I can just like engage with the movie and it distresses me. But almost every one of those shows, every, one, every movie has a plot where there's a good guy. And there's a bad guy, and, and someone who's trying to defeat the, the, the good guy. The, the bad guy is always coming after them. In fact, every comic strip and every comic book is based on that premise. But can I tell you, in reality, it's really no different. See, Jesus talks about this in John 10, and I know we haven't talked about John 10, 10 in a long, long time. And so here it is. John 10, 10, Jesus is speaking here, and he tells this analogy. And, and if you've seen me for any length of time, you've seen me with my hands stretched from side to side, but talking about there's two different worlds here. Jesus says the thief, the bad guy, the enemy, the devil, however you want to say it, he comes, look at this, only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's always trying to steal your joy, destroy your happiness, and ultimately he wants you to get isolated off and kill you. That's what is the herd mentality. You get one off to the side, and then it's easier to take on one than when it's in a whole big group. But look at the next thing. Jesus says this, I have come. Now, he's showing the contrary. So this is what the world's way is. This is what the enemy's tried to do, but this is why I have come. And he says this, to have life to the fullest possible way. And I just love the imagery that that conjures up because that is what Jesus says. Man, there's this whole other world that's over here versus what comes natural. And we often look at how Jesus came to this earth and, and certainly he came to pay for the price for our sins and for my having missed it. And we saw last week and previous weeks that there's a, there's a cost to missing it and, and there's a wage for that. And we've got to pay for our own sins or we let Jesus pay for that. And, but Jesus didn't come just for that. That's great. That's a paramount. That's amazing. I can't do that for myself. But he also came to experience what we experience. He came as a baby. He grew up. He walked through life like we did. And in, in this time of virtual everything, and there's virtual meetings, there's virtual conferences, there's all these things. I even heard somebody got married the other day on Zoom. On, and it's, it's just crazy. And it's just saying, we're all doing this. I, I had this funny thought this week that there was no virtual experience to Jesus coming. He didn't tell the Father, hey, Father God, imagine if I went down to earth and I was, played like I was a baby and then I grew up and then I, I paid for everybody's sins. Wouldn't that be great? Okay, let's just play like that happened because I really don't want to go to it. No, he actually came and he did it. We look at the story in the Gospels, and if you're new to this, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. And that's where Jesus' description of what happened in his life, and not people talking about Jesus, but actually the recalling and the recanting of those stories. 
we see that there are different things, and sometimes we get different perspectives from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all had different things, and they wrote it some years later. But we see how they all come together. So some will tell a lot of the common things. Some will give details that the other one didn't, and vice versa. So the story today, we're actually going to look at two different perspectives, both telling the same story, but one is found in Luke chapter 8, and the other one's found in Mark chapter 5. So we're going to bounce around, but we're going to pull, we're going to kind of blend them together. So if you will, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 5. Before we get there, let me just paint the picture and set the table of what's going on. Jesus has just finished a day full of ministry, and he's saying, okay, we're going to go to the other side. And he crawls in the boat, and he goes to the, the front, and he goes to sleep. And this storm comes up, and we went into great detail about this several weeks ago, and I'm not going to retell that whole thing because I, I have a specific place I'm trying to go, but I'm just trying to let you understand where we're at. And, and as they're going across, this huge storm came up, and they, these fishermen that were disciples, they were fishermen, they were raised on the, on the seas and on the water and all this time. They were so scared that they were about to die. They went and shook Jesus away and said, aren't you concerned we're going to die? And, and Jesus spoke to the, to the storm and it went away. And, and can you imagine being the weatherman that day? And it's like, okay, look at all this. We, go, we need everybody to take shelter. And like, oh, it's gone. What happened here? Anyway, that cracks me up. Um, but that's when we're picking up now. Jesus has gone across the other side. So in verse 1 of chapter 5, we pick up. They went across the Sea of Galilee. They just, the, the chapter before this was just talking about all that. This is where we're picking it up. Verse 2. Jesus got out of the boat, and a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now, I, I want you to just think about this, um, this, this imagery. And actually, in Luke chapter 8, it kind of gives a little bit more detail, and it says this, that Jesus was climbing out of the boat. So Jesus has got his foot just stepping outside. He's just climbing out of the boat, and this man possessed by demons, plural, more than one, came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside of the town. Okay, so Jesus is taking his foot, stepping out of the boat, and this naked man comes running ah, down, and he can't even get out of the boat, and that's what's greeting him when he gets out the boat. I don't know about you, but if you put yourself in the Bible and think about that, that's a crazy scene. Jesus hasn't even done anything. He hasn't even got his foot on ground yet. And this crazy man, naked, running out, and he's doing this crazy scene. And picking it back up in Mark, chapter th verse 3, it says, The man lived in the tombs. Another one says he lives in the cemetery, actually in with the bones. Ugh. Can you imagine living in the place where they've, they've got the bones laid out and how stinky it is? And that's where he's at. But he's homeless. He doesn't have any clothes, and that's where he lives. Look at this. And no one could keep him tied up anymore. Not even a chain could hold him. So they've tried to hold him down. They've tried to put chains on him and trying to keep him from hurting himself and others. And look at verse 4. And his hands and feet had often been chained, but he tore the chains apart. So he's doing the Incredible Hulk, and he just... And he's just making those chains go flying out here. No matter what they did, he would tear them apart. And he broke the iron cuffs off his ankles. And no one was strong enough to control him. 
Verse 5 says, night and day he screamed. In the NLT it says he howled. He was howling. And he was running amongst the tombs and, and in the hills. And he cut himself with stones. Now, him screaming isn't just like, eh. Okay, it's this deep from the guts that all the way down. No, I'm not going to do it because I don't want everybody to run out scared. But it's this crazy agony, this screaming. But it's night and day. It's not just for a second. This was his life. This is what he saw day in and day out. It's not like he gets a break at night. This is what's going on, seeming like never stopping. Verse 6 says, And when he saw Jesus a long way off, he ran to him. I want you to see this. Jesus hasn't even done anything for him yet. And he's running to Jesus. And he, he fell on his knees in front of him. Can I tell you that it's okay to run to Jesus even before he's done anything for you? Even before you realize all the goodness and, and the wonderfulness and, and everything, it's, it's okay to fall on your knees and say, God, I need you and I worship you. And, and to worship God, even when you don't understand it. And you know, and I talked about that we've got worship that's going on now in the beginning of our service. And, and maybe you're tempted just to fast forward through that because you're like, oh, that really isn't for me. And I don't really like that part of it that much. Can I tell you, it's a wonderful thing when we get on our knees, we find a place to humble ourselves and just to worship him. Anyway, moving on. Verse 7, he shouted at the top of his voice, Jesus, son of the most high God. See, even the devils recognized who Jesus was. What do you want with me? Promise before God that you won't hurt me because this was because Jesus had said to the man, to the devil, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Jesus recognized what's going on. Again, Jesus is trying to get his foot out the boat, and this naked man scared me, ah, comes down there, and then Jesus speaks to the devil and tells him. But I want us to look at some things in this. Number one, this man was outcast and homeless. He was all alone. He didn't have anything. He was never, he had a family. He had a place to live, but he went crazy with all this demonic attacks in his brain and all this mental anguish. And he ended up in this place where everybody said, hey, you need to get out of here. Man, we can't deal with you anymore. Let me just tell you right now, if, that, if you can identify with that, that people are like, hey, we really don't want you hanging around anymore. You're just too far gone. That's where this guy was. Number two, can I show you? He had been chained. He was in bondage. Even though he kept breaking the chains off physically, there was still bondage that was going on mentally. There was these things that were keeping him outside. Next, he was not in his right mind. He had mental anguish and, and the, the, the claws of the devils, if you can just imagine just going in. There's a book I read many years ago, um, that gives a lot of, it's an allegory, but it just gives all these men, and the pictures that they give in there, the claws going in the brain, and that's just what I see when I do that. But look at this. Luke chapter 8, verse 35, sorry. The people rushed out to see what had happened. 
Well, let me tell you what happened. Jesus spoke to the devils, and they all freaked out, and they said, hey, Jesus, don't cast us before our time, but can we go into these pigs? And Jesus says, okay. He permitted that. And so these demonic spirits went into these thousands of pigs, and the pigs went running and leaping over and committed suicide. Well, we saw that this guy was naked and homeless, and he was trying to cut himself all the time. I believe he was trying to commit suicide. I, was, I believe he was trying to cut himself to kill himself. And these pigs, these demonic spirits went into the pigs, and they killed themselves by running over. So the people rushed out to see what had happened. I don't believe it's because Jesus showed up. I believe it's because they heard the thousand pigs screaming. Can you imagine a one pig going, ah! Can you imagine all of those pigs squealing, a thousand of them, and then jumping into the lake? That would cause a commotion. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man freed from the demons. Now, they all knew who he was. In fact, we all have, especially in the smaller towns, we all have that kind of crazy guy, and you know his name, and you kind of know who he is, and you kind of walk on the other side of the street when you see him coming. He's talking to people you can't see, and just sometimes he'll fight. I mean, there's these crazy people sometimes. Almost everybody's seen one. Everybody knows one. They knew him. They knew who it was. And, and they walk out there, and they see he is now freed. Look at this. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's at peace. Everything's been solved in his life. But interestingly, where he had been naked, he's now fully clothed. Now, I don't believe that he was sitting out there with his closet sitting in the tombs. I believe he probably ripped all of his clothes and was probably, that's why he was naked. We don't see it. You only see the words in the Bible. But I believe probably Jesus or one of the disciples says, hey, I got an extra coat. I got an extra shirt. I got some pants. And they gave this man clothes that now he's sitting at Jesus' feet at peace, fully clothed, and perfectly sane. Where he had been crazy and had mental anguish, now everything is okay. Even his brain, even his mind, everything's okay. And look at what their response was. They were all afraid. Now, does that make a bit of sense? That doesn't make any sense to me. I would think that they would be rejoicing and saying, man, that's awesome. Man, where you had had all these problems and, man, you had to leave town because you were just crazy. Man, it's great. Welcome you. Hey, let's everybody give you a big hug. No, no, no. They were afraid. Verse 36. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how this demon-possessed man had been healed. Again, wouldn't you think they would all just run and jump and say, that's great? Mark chapter 5, verse 17. Then the people began to beg Jesus to leave. What? How is that even possible? Why are you not happy that this man's life was changed and want to say, hey, Jesus, I know somebody over my cousin needs it, or my, my sister or my friend or da-da-da-da-da. Wouldn't you think that they say, Jesus, come on, stay in my house. No, no, stay in my house. Wouldn't you think? No, they're like, no, we want you to go. The next verse says, Jesus was getting into the boat. And can I just tell you right there, Jesus is a gentleman. He'll never beat you over the head and make you accept him. If, he, if you want him to go, if you want to just take on life by yourself, he'll get back in the boat. 
he was getting back in the boat. And the man that had been controlled by the demons begged to go with him. So here we see the entire town begging Jesus to leave. And now this one man whose life has just been radically changed begged Jesus to go with him. But look at what Jesus' response was in verse 19. He says, go home. He had a home. For whatever reason, he would left it and was now homeless. Now Jesus is like, no, you need to go home. You have a place you're supposed to be. Look at the next. It says, to your own family. There's people at home. We don't know if he had a wife. We don't know if he had sisters or brothers or mothers and father. But he's got a family. Jesus says, go home to your family. And look at this. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And many people think that he was the first missionary. Jesus is like, hey, they're telling me to go, but this is where you belong. Go home to your family and just tell them what I've done. Can I just tell you that you can just simply tell people what Jesus has done in your life, and that's really my goal. I don't have it all worked out. I, I don't have it all together. I'm just going to tell you all the goodness that God and Jesus has been for me. Verse 20, so he went away and in all the area known as the 10 cities. So he didn't just go back to one, but he kept going from town to town. He began to tell how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. It's one thing for someone to see something happen, but it's another thing to hear him tell the story. And, and that's an amazing story. Maybe you've heard that story before. Maybe I showed you some things that you didn't see before. Maybe this is all just a review. Could be even brand new for you. That is all wonderful, but I now want to take a little twist on it. I want you to think. This is, uh, we don't know exactly, but we think somewhere around 18 months later is when Jesus was now captured. We just went through Easter and resurrection a couple of weeks ago, and we looked in great detail about that whole process. But I want you to imagine that man. Now, you're going to have to step into our imagination for a minute. But that man said he was going from city to city. I believe one day he was up there telling everybody about it, and someone came to him and said, hey, man, did you hear? Did I hear what? Did you hear what happened to this Jesus you're talking about? What are you talking about? Well, he went to Jerusalem and they arrested him. What? Not only did they arrest him, but they took him down and they beat him almost to death. What? Yeah, and then, then they took him outside and, and they, they crucified him outside of town. See, I believe he heard the story because it traveled around to everyone that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was an outcast. That Jesus became isolated and all alone. And he could in his mind take himself back to that place where he was out there when Jesus met him and, and where Jesus took him from being all alone and isolated and outcast. Then he hears that Jesus had been chained and was in bondage. And he goes back to him being in chains and being in bondage like, oh my gosh. Then he hears that they put a crown of thorns on Jesus' head and Jesus had mental anguish and, and maybe even heard the story about Jesus at the garden that he's sweating blood. 
And he heard that Jesus was put outside the city, crucified. See, it wasn't just uh, the matter of this happened to me and how wonderful it is. Let me go around and tell, but I think then he came to this place when he heard what happened to Jesus that he goes, he took what I was experiencing and I have freedom and now he took all of that. You see, it didn't just stay there. But imagine the emotion he would have experienced. But it didn't stay there. Because Jesus rose again from the dead. And that was the whole point of Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. Is that he rose from the dead. He wasn't just stuck there. That He didn't just switch places with that man. He didn't just take on my sins and die. But he paid the price. But look at this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, The Spirit of God raised Christ Jesus, Jesus, from the dead. See, it wasn't even God the Father. It wasn't Jesus himself. But God sent the Spirit of God to come down and to raise Jesus up from the dead. Look at this. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he also, look at this, is able to give life to you. See, Jesus came to experience and go through what I go through and what you go through. But it wasn't just enough for him to pay for our sins and to go through this. But he went and took on all of what I should have to pay for. And then the Spirit of God raised him from the dead. But it wasn't just a, oh, look, he's the son of God, so he gets a special treatment. But no, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is also living in you. And the same way he raised Christ, he is able to give life to your mortal bodies or able to give you life. That's what Jesus says in John 10, 10. I'm able to give you, I've come to give you life to the fullest extent. How? Verse 11, the bottom part. By the same Spirit living within you. Jesus suffered in bondage, mental anguish, was all alone, so that you and I can be free. Please bow your heads. This is a most amazing story to me. In fact, it leaves me emotional when I think about it. But let me ask you this. Where do you find yourself? Have you run to God even before he's done anything for you? Have you had that time where you bowed down and worshiped him? Let me ask you like this. Have you surrendered to him? That simply means, have you give up doing it on your own? I can tell you, it's the single best thing you will ever do. See that man who was outcast and isolated and all alone? He thought that that was how it was. He thought that this was all there was and how it was going to be. But Jesus came into his life and changed everything. Jesus can also come into your life and change everything for you. I encourage you today. I want to invite you 
to pray this prayer with me. You don't even have to understand it. That man ran to Jesus before Jesus had even done anything. Can I invite you to go to Jesus in this prayer with me? Simply say, Jesus, I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to know you. Right now, I give up doing it my way. And I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I pray for everyone who's prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe they've prayed it many times before, but Lord, they're coming back to you today. Lord, I pray that you strengthen in all of us. Let us experience the life that is to the fullest extent that you have for us. Lord, thank you that we don't have to be all alone. We don't have to be isolated. We don't have to be over here by ourselves trying to do it our own way or however we think. But we can turn and give our life to you. Lord, for those that think that this is all there is and there's no change, there's no possible hope for them, Lord, I pray this message is stirring them up on the inside to trust you with everything, with their life. Father, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we close, I want to encourage you that if you prayed that prayer with me, that you will take the next step, and that's simply to text the word CONNECT to 469-289-1114. Again, that's CONNECT to 469-289-1114. And that's our text communication system. And again, no one's going to hound you. No one's going to try and get you to do anything. It's simply we want to communicate with you. And I encourage you to give your testimony and tell people what God's doing in your life. Invite somebody to take this journey with us, with you. And maybe it's take a, cop, a copy of this URL, or if you're watching on Facebook, share the, the video, or however it is that you're wanting to do it. Give it to someone and say, hey, I want you to take this journey with us. Give hope to other people. Not to make us famous, but there is life. God wants to change all of our lives. And lastly, if you want to be a part of the financial solution uh, for, that is Belong Church, there's two ways, many ways you can do it, but the two easiest ways. The first one is to text to give, and that's text the word give to 469-410-7788. Again, text the word give to 469-410-7788. And it'll ask you a couple of questions. The first time after that it's set up, you just put the amount you want and it automatically does it. Or you can go to givetobelong.com and we can go to our website. We have an app. You can go to the Apple Store. You can go to the Google Play Store. That's all there. And there's more in the app than just giving. There's all different ways you can do all kinds of stuff. Let's close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this tremendous story. Lord, the hope and the excitement that it gives to me that this man that was at the worst place in his life came and went to the extreme opposite end at peace free clothed and no more mental anguish that he was completely sane Father I thank you and Lord I just speak peace into the lives of everyone listening 
Lord, I speak a blessing to everyone that is following along and taking this journey with us. And Lord, I pray a specific blessing over those who have tithed this week and have given to this church. And Lord, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.